Welcome to the Behavior Speak podcast. Now, here's your host, Ben Ryman. Welcome to another episode of the Behavior Speak podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Ryman. Today on the podcast, we have Anasha Anglade. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Hello, hello. Welcome, Anasha. Super cool. Um, folks probably are getting used to the idea that I like to bring on guests that are doing things that are different. And Anasha is no exception to that rule. Um, I'm not sure I found you. Um, I do a lot of random Googling and looking for folks and doing different things. And uh, But anyway, I came upon your website and... Uh, and uh and of course the 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 main phrase that stood out was the, the the piece around domestic violence i had talked to a few folks kind of about trauma uh and uh foster care uh with uh who was that with um oh dr kim crosland down in florida there and uh Talk to another fella about does some work around re- reunification of family. So there are some folks that are kind of doing work in what we might call kind of the, you know, some might call this a social workspace. Um, um, you know, I, I mean, count it's a counseling space, it's a therapy space, but I think, I think just maybe it's my bias that I have. Uh, my parents were both social workers growing up, um, mm-hmm. and they kind of worked in this area. They, they, you know. It's an area I don't know much about, and so you know, I, I f- often find the pod this podcast. Well, it does give me lots of learning for, you know, as a behavior analyst. It's also giving me lots of you know education as a first responder too, and giving me sort of ideas on resources and those sorts of things. And so that's just another reason why I kind of find this topic um, uh, interesting. Um, uh, before we get into the, that topic, and Ash, maybe you can just start a give us a little bit of an origin story of kind of how you got into the got into the field of of ABA but also you know how you came to start focusing on uh, you know on, on domestic violence in, in your practice so the domestic violence interest came way before I even knew what ABA even was okay and I feel I feel like I've spoken to a lot of people about this like oh mm. well, how did you find out about ABA and it's pretty common that like no one really knew about ABA or that ABA even existed before deciding to just jump into the field. Mm-hmm. So it, for me, it happened when I had my master's degree. I was like in a job that I had been working in for like 10 years at a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be stuck here. I want to like do something with my life. I want to be something. I want to put my degree to use because it wasn't being used or even acknowledged at the company that I was at before. So it's like, well, what's the point of going to school for all these years and getting these degrees if it's not going to matter in the current uh, environment that you're in? So I started doing like some Googling and I stumbled upon Indeed and there was just like a flurry of different positions for BCBA and BCBA and BCBA. I'm like, what is this BCBA thing? So that's what kind of like got me started with the whole digging, like what is mm. BCBA and what is ABA and how could this be used? Like, what is this stuff that I keep on seeing on um, Indeed? And it pays really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen numbers like this before in my life. So um, that is what kind of hooked me. And then I started 
really doing a lot of uh, uh, research into what ABA actually was. And um, I had taken like one course in my undergrad. It was like, oh, so it's kind of like this whole Pavlonian conditioning right. with a dog experiment thing. So I was like, oh, yeah, I think I could do this. So then I just, like I usually do, I just dove head first mm. and I applied to a few different positions and interviewed and I landed a job at the first ABA agency that I was at for like a year and a half. Mm. And, um, I just, I, I went in knowing like, okay, I want to do this. My goal is to become a BCBA and my end goal is to fuse this ABA thing with domestic violence because I can see that there is like, there's like parallel, like mm -hmm. this can be used for behavior in general. Right. Mm -hmm, so this mm -hmm. is what I want to do. So that, that's kind of uh, where everything started. And the reason why domestic violence was something that I really wanted to hone in on is because I have like a, a history with domestic violence. Um, I have a daughter. She's five now. She's awesome. Mm. She's like five going on 25. No, my gosh. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I was with her father, we, we were in a very toxic relationship mm. and it was very abusive uh, physically, mm. financially, psychologically, emotionally, all of the different domains mm. that you can abuse. It was, that's what it was. Wow. And um, I, I always felt like there was hope for him. Like, hey, you know, you can change if you really want to change. This is not like some irreversible condition. This can be remedied. This can be fixed. And I think that's a mindset that a lot of victims kind of fall into. Like, okay, well, mm. I'm going to stay because I see your potential. I right. know the person that you can be. You can be such an awesome person. There's just these moments where you're not that great. And I get affected by it. The family gets affected by it. Children get affected by it. But I know that there is good here. Mm. So I'm going to stick it out and, you know, just hope that I can help you realize how awesome you are. And I kind of fell into that that revolving door, that trap. And um, mm. uh, I mean, I still feel like there's still hope for perpetrators of uh, domestic violence. And that's why I really wanted to... <sighs> make this like my my life's work this is mm -hmm. like my little baby um I, I do work with children i work with survivors as well and i have had the pleasure of working with some perpetrators as well um mm -hmm. but my 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 the the real focus the real reason why i really wanted to start this kind of work is because i really wanted to help provide perpetrators with the tools that they need to like just communicate a little bit more functionally instead mm -hmm. of resorting to those maladaptive behaviors, those problem behaviors that lead to the violence that people see in the home and people getting hurt and sometimes killed because of like a momentary emotion and feeling. Mm. Wow. Lots to unpack there. You said before we kind of do that. You said you had you already had a master's degree when you were working in the pharmaceutical company. What was your what were your master's degree in? General psychology. Oh wow. Okay. So it wasn't yeah. even like a, a you know a, a sales or a or no. or, or a pharmacy or or no. whatever it was. Yeah. You know, and so maybe I, I want to get into the domestic violence piece very shortly here, but. I'm curious, how did you end up getting a master's in psychology and then working at a pharmaceutical company? <laughs> because the money was good. Mm. 
Uh, because unfortunately, in an entry-level position with a degree in psychology, you don't really get offered very much per mm. hour, per year. And but you have to deal with a lot. There's a yes. lot that, you, that that's on your plate. You have to worry yep. about session notes. You have to worry about like your ethics. You have to worry about sometimes even scheduling your own um, sessions, um, dealing with the weight of the conversations and the work that you have to deal with. If you, right. if you are doing social work, sometimes it gets dangerous. Yeah. Like there's a lot that you have to work uh, that you have to do work wise, but the compensation is not very pleasing. It's not very reinforcing. So I went where, you know, the reinforcement was. Going. And so did you, yeah, of course that makes sense. And, and I mean, that's, I think that's a common theme in psychology. Did you, but did you actually do a bit of work as a psychologist initially or, um, or you just were like, ah, no, I'm not, I'm not into this right now. And no. for, for what it pays, you just sort of saw what the work was and kind of, kind of moved on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, you know, so I was talking to uh, a guest uh, just yesterday and, um, and we were, he was talking about how he had a, he got a bachelor's in psychology or something and, and uh, you know, and, you know, couldn't do anything with it and i and i and i I kind of echoed yeah i know i I had a i worked i had a job in mcdonald's uh i got my 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 ba in psych i kept working at mcdonald's (laughs) (laughs) you know and 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 this was you know this was you know the mid 90s when sort of you thought maybe there would be a a, you know something you could do with that but yeah yeah social services you know, is not a, a high paying uh, profession. Um, so I'm sure when you saw this behavior analysis thing that looked a lot like social services and paying really well, you were like, whoa, here it is. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah, this, where this, has this option been all my life. <laughs> yeah. So all you had to do was kind of go back and do like the VCS, I guess. Um, and and uh, because you already had your master's and mm-hmm. you, had, you even had your master's in the related field as, as the BACB <laughs> seems to find so important. Um, um, so you, you were, you were set up to go uh, right on, right on, you know, something that you said, you said early on there about, um, you know, when you're, when you're with your partner and you're feeling like, you know, um, you know, there were, there, 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 you know, you, you saw his potential, you, you, you wanted to help. Um, and so you say that this is a common sort of, uh, you know, I guess, symptom for lack of a better term of of being a victim of of, of domestic violence is to kind of to to kind of go into that mode mode the reason i ask is because it also seems like you know i i get it i i get what you're saying about sort of how you know this this that cycle can happen because you keep thinking oh, I, I can i can do this i can fix it now i can fix it now i see the potential and and how that can be really damaging, but then I also see this being sort of a, a strength in the sense of, you know, if, if that if that was I'm not, I'm not saying this right, but if, if that was your personality, that was sort of your 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 intuition to kind of do that. That fits well with kind of the work you're doing now too. Mm-hmm. You know that you see the potential in, in folks and whatnot, okay. and so um, it's it's. I don't really know if there's a question here, but I guess I, I think I'm just noting noticing that you know there's um you know that these 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 victims have a have a you know it, it's a strength that they want to help their partner. 
but and they probably don't even realize it <laughs> right but at the same time it's it's also the excuse they probably give their partner so that they keep kind of getting into that cycle is that kind of what happens oh boy uh, i'm not sure if i would say an excuse um mm. only because i i i'm just putting myself back into that mindset where yeah. I was like, okay, well, I don't understand why you're doing what it is that you're doing because, like, yeah. you're so smart, you're so well-spoken, yeah. you're so personable. Like, why can't you just do X, Y, and Z that you yeah. need to do in this situation in order to have, like, an adult conversation? Yeah. So in my in that time, in those moments, like, I I, I knew, like, okay, this, this is, you have these capabilities, mm. so just use them. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you're not excusing their behavior. You're just like, you've, you, you could do this a different way. You have the ability is sort of what right. your your mindset is. And, and uh, so what, why aren't you? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's not necessarily like, okay, well, l- let me excuse your behavior because of this potential. Like, I, even though we might not be able to say it out loud in those moments because we haven't found our voice just yet we know like okay this this is not okay this mm-hmm. is, you shouldn't be hitting people you shouldn't be strangling me you shouldn't be placing these threats on me you shouldn't be stealing my credit mm-hmm. cards and then like you know ex- uh basically just like puffing up your chest and asking me like okay what are you going to do about it mm-hmm. and you know just kind of flaunting your power and control over me like i know you should not be doing this but I want to keep the peace or uh, you're paying the bills or my, my children. Yeah. Uh, I don't want my children to know about everything that's going on, or I don't want you to hurt my children. Mm. So because, in mm. order to pre- protect all these other aspects of my life or our lives, I'm going to just keep quiet yeah, and just not saying anything. Cause why add fuel to the fire when you could just like kind of keep things at bay yeah. and leave things as they are. So did your, was your young one not exposed to it or? So funny thing about trauma is that it, it happens in vitro. It happens, mm. not in, but in the, in utero, in the, in the womb. Right. So yes, she was exposed because there was abuse that happened during my pregnancy as well as after I delivered. Mm. So I didn't stay past the one month mark. Like once she hit a month. And it's it was still continuing. That's when I decided, like, mm, okay, yeah, she's here weird. now. I and it's continuing. I don't want her to continue mm. to observe this and yeah. normalize this sort of behavior. So I'm just gonna go ahead and leave now. Like she was my catalyst to yeah. making that decision to leave. But it, it had happened. She she was exposed in utero and um well when she was an infant. Mm. Hmm. And honestly, you know, I was saying I was talking to my sister about this the other day, actually. The the abuse doesn't stop when you leave, especially right. if you have kids. Um, well, whether you have kids or not, actually, because some some abusers they start stalking their exes and following them to work, um, tracking their their phone calls. Wow. And a lot of victims end up being seriously hurt or killed after they leave so that's actually one of the most dangerous times is when you're planning to leave and after you leave is it's pretty dangerous um but Mm. 
for for people who share a child in that dynamic, the abuse also doesn't stop because now you have leverage, you have some connecting fiber that oh, you can yeah. manage. So, you know, there was police being called, there was um arguments. I remember I moved back to my parents' house because I didn't want to stay at my place anymore. So I rented it out because too many memories and he knew where I stayed. He had access. Mm. So I was like, yeah, I need to be away from this location. And he would come to my parents' house. He would cause arguments with myself, my family, call his names. We had to call the police over a few times during exchange because, you know, the legal system, it has not really caught up yet as far as like how dangerous a domestic or intimate partner violence situation could be. Mm-hmm. So they granted him his visitation rights, the, the visitation that he requested. So mm-hmm. I I wanted to provide visitations, couldn't get it, but that's fine. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, because he wasn't a monster is what the judge said. Mm-hmm. So during those drop-offs, I had to make sure that I called a police escort so that I made sure that I was protected and my daughter was protected. And that wasn't very... It didn't always go over too well with him. And um, again, she was there. So she was exposed to all of that up to about mm. two years ago. Oh my gosh. Started like kind of tapering off. So she she's 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 experienced a little bit in her um in her very short life so far. Yeah, no, it's wow. Yeah, really good points about sort of, you know, it doesn't just end the moment you leave, you know. And 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 obviously you you made the right choice to leave to protect her you know sort of physically and you know probably had she have been harmed you know god forbid why had you stayed maybe the judge would have a different thought on on the supervisor on the custody as well I but know. it was only because you kind of prevented it from happening in the first place that the judge let him off in in a way exactly. right you know that's that right. that's a pretty yeah, unfair the part of the law seems it, it, right now they're very reactive unfortunately yeah. they take reactive measures to yeah. you know the cases that come their way and uh not very proactive just yet unfortunately no. and that's very punishing for a victim that is or a survivor that's looking for help from the legal system yeah. or the the um legal authorities we usually just say, you know, what, just forget this. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna go through this again, or I'm not gonna yeah. victimize myself. So, yeah. thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great that you've been able to kind of, you know, take this, these, you know, life changing, horrible experiences and turn them into a career, um, to, to try to kind of help some other folks. And and you and and clearly here there are, you know, so many different kind of there's so many different aspects of domestic violence that you and so many different folks that are affected by domestic violence that you know um the you, you're never going to be out of work um you know there, there, there's a lot of different folks that you can kind of support i mean that's a horrible thing to say in some ways i guess because you know domestic violence is going to continue to happen but also just that it's not just one you know it's not just the victim it's not just the perpetrator it's you know there's a victim there's a perpetrator there's the children there's probably you know other folks that are that can be connected yeah. as well what families. yeah exactly 
so I definitely want to dive deep into sort of how you, you and others could potentially use ABA and other ways to sort of, you know, work with these folks. But what's sort of the the normal process? So so how how what's what's the current sort of treatment, I guess, for lack of a better term, for you know uh, victims of domestic violence and uh, and then you know well let's start with that yeah okay yeah so it, I, when I conceptualize it, it for me it doesn't look any different from like an intake for an individual that has autism right you do hmm. your assessment so you can identify where the gaps are where yep. the behavioral excesses are etc uh, find out from the client what they want to work on what they want to improve on. Yeah. And, um, you know, figure out like, okay, well, let's come together. Let's put our brains together based on the results of this assessment and based yeah. on what you're telling me, based on what I'm observing. Um, this, These are the things that we're agreeing to work on, throw it in a mm-hmm. treatment plan and a behavior intervention plan if needed, and then, you know, get to work. You know, you, re- you meet regularly and um, implement your interventions, have them implement in their, uh, the interventions while you're not there, collect some data. It's mm. going to be self-report data, but you know, it's okay because that's, that that's kind of where it has to be, especially if you're working with an adult and you know, their parents or their like teachers or professionals and they have lives and they can't, you know, work directly mm. on some things for, two to three hours straight, but you still want them to work on stuff, you're going to say, okay, well, I want you to take this home and I want you to work on this skill Mm. and I want you to collect some data on that and report to me either Mm. like throughout the week or when we meet up again. And and then we'll continue to go from there and we'll just kind of reevaluate as we go on to see if the interventions are working, if they are great, if not, then let's make some adjustments and, you know, kind of, go from there and Mm. that's kind of where that overlap with like uh mental health therapy comes into play because it looks like a mental health therapy session like you're meeting for like almost an hour and you're hearing them talk about their updates and things that um have become barriers to the intervention Mm. and etc etc and then you're kind of like doing your thing and doing your work in that hour and then they're you're sent home with a task to to complete and you follow up. Um, and then also we take it a step further by incorporating some act into the into the mix because mm. we know things happen, barriers will come up. And because there has been that that trauma component, maybe it's not just intimate partner violence that has happened with a previous um partner, but maybe there are some neglect from childhood or some other mm. trauma that's un- uh, unaddressed that maybe even ties into the IPV incidents and whatnot. So there could be some private events that could be preventing them from moving forward and progressing the way that they should be progressing. And I don't know what you subscribe to, but I subscribe to like, hey, you know, yes, there's overt behavior, but there's also covert behavior as well. And that covert behavior can interfere with that overt behavior. So identifying and acknowledging that covert behavior is sometimes pretty crucial to ensuring that that overt behavior is 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 moved along right Mm. so um when we do have those cases where hey you know these interventions they're not progressing the way that they should you're not really making the progress that you should right now what is going on 
how, where are you feeling stuck at? What is the barrier? What's the current barrier right now? And it's not an environmental barrier, but a mental barrier or emotional mm. barrier. Then that's where the act piece can come in to help, like, physicalize that emotion so that we can help work through that emotion, find different solutions to that emotion, to, to feeling that emotion. Whereas before, they could have been like maybe like pushing that emotion away or the, those mm-hmm. feelings are away. Right. Or like maybe it's like a constant thing in their head. Like I keep on thinking about the time where he choked me out and I was so scared. Or I keep on thinking about the time when he almost hurt the kids and I just can't even get out of bed. If you're having thoughts like that, then the act peace can help to move past that and mm-hmm, shift mm-hmm. the relationship that you have with those memories and with those thoughts so that it's not something that prevents you from moving forward but it's something that you can carry on your back like a backpack but and still move forward as well like you still want to accept that those things happen you still want to accept that you feel those emotions and those feelings and you have those thoughts but you don't want it to weigh you down to the point where you're just not able to move forward so that's where we kind of like incorporate both like the ABA and the act so yeah. that we can help our, our our clients yeah i mean that seems to be you know i i know i'm really simplifying things here for the for the act practitioners out there but that seems to be kind of one of the central sort of you know points of act is that folks have thoughts that keep coming they try to make them go away or forget about them mm-hmm. that doesn't work that makes things that makes it makes them more intense and more problematic or that turns them into other other behaviors or whatever mm-hmm. and with act the the goal is to kind of you know essentially you know, you know, it's it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. So acceptance, mm-hmm. commitment training. It's to accept that they're there, and 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 gives you sort of ways to sort of you know, mm-hmm. there they are. Nothing I can do about it. They're gonna be there. How do I how do I deal with them when they come up? Yeah. Now let's commit to engaging in these replacement behaviors. That's gonna move us toward those desired goals and outcomes yeah exactly right cool what what um i haven't really heard of anyone else doing this like in as a bcba kind of working in 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 this area i mean i think there probably are because there are a lot of I'm, i'm discovering more and more that there's a lot of folks out there that are for example like i think the the classification in the u.s is the uh, marriage and family therapists. There's a lot of licensed marriage and family therapists out there that are also BCBAs or also even ACT. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these folks, you know, are, are, you know, have clients that are, you know, victims of domestic violence and kind of doing that work. But I haven't heard about sort of anyone, you know, kind of, you know, overtly, um, you know, you know, advertising that that's, you know, that that's what they're doing, you know, as a behavior analyst. I'm curious, sort of, and then you also mentioned that you, you, the, the sort of, there's the mental health therapy side. So, kind of a, the, the question is a sort of like, what, wh- what kind of training and sort of, you know, do you have that, you know, allows you to do this? Obviously, you have the life experience, and that's huge. And, and I think, you know, uh, we, we see this, you know, I think the, 
one of the most well-known examples I think we see of sort of folks with with the life experience applying it. It seems to be in addictions. There's a lot of a lot of addictions counselors out there that were former addicts themselves, and obviously that just provides a you know a, you know a way to connect with folks that others you know right. just just don't have that that. But but you don't just get off drugs and, and become an addictions counselor. Um, you, you know, there, there's training and, and, and things you kind of have to go through. Similarly, I know as, as being a BCBA myself, I, I certainly didn't go through any training that would, that would then allow me to, um, you know, uh, work with, work with victims of domestic violence, let alone any sort of, um, you know, um, you know, severe trauma and the like. I'm curious kind of what what that's looked like for you. What what kind of training have you taken in mentorship and and so on and so forth to kind of, you know, um be able to 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 do this kind of work. So, I've taken a couple of certifications for uh, the state of Florida. Oh gosh, I forgot what the name of it was. I hmm. took it like a long time ago, like yeah, yeah. years back. Um uh, the the same training that batter intervention providers need to train uh, gotcha. to uh, take. Yes, that one. I, I took that one. Um, recently, there was a training by the NASW uh, for Broward County. That's a social work organization um, for Broward County. And they had uh, training on uh, providing resources for the perpetrators of domestic violence as well. So um, I try to take as many trainings around domestic violence as mm. I can, read articles. Uh, I've read a couple of uh, peer-reviewed articles as well around ABA and domestic violence or intimate partner violence. A lot of them very dated, mm, but, I bet. you know, still articles nonetheless. Um, more recently, I uh, connected with Dr. Amy Zarling. Um, I, she's doing a lot of work with ABA and um, perpetrators of, of domestic violence as well. That's mm. like her her thing. Like that's she's like just just yeah yeah just, just focusing on that. Um, so I haven't de- dived into her work the way that I really want to just yet. And I I told her like okay, I'm just 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 you're going to have an email come from me very soon mm. to pick your brain about the work that you do, because that's like the heart of what it is that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just amazing that she's uh, just kind of dedicating her life's work to making those moves as well um, on, mm-hmm. on her end. If I'm not mistaken, she actually, uh, she created a program that's ABA based, that's behaviorally based, um, to provide services for individ- uh, perpetrators of domestic violence that kind of like shut down the whole Duluth model that is very popular for some reason. Um, so now they're um, using that program in place of the Duluth model. So, you know, kudos to her because I think that's a really big move um, mm. because, yeah, for obvious reasons. And then also, Dr. Tom Zebo. Yes. I'm going to pronounce his last name right. Yeah. Dr. Tom Zebo. Um, I've been in communication with him since the end of my VCS at hmm. um, FIT. And he's been such a great mentor. Hmm. You know, he's doing the act work he's done. Um, yes. Couples work in Sierra Leone as well for years now. He's been doing a lot of research. He's uh, part of the ACTFA lab, the Not Not Yeti um, 
ActiveA lab, then I'm also part of, he invited me to be part of that. So I'm actually trying oh, cool. to put together this ABA and DB study um, with him um, supervising it and just kind nice. of like giving us advice and whatnot along the way. So that's been like, oh my gosh, like four-ish, five years now that we've been in communication. I've taken awesome. this act practicum as well. I've yeah. also provided some mentorship and coaching for a couple of his ACT courses. So <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, Dr. Zabo is um, definitely brilliant. And, and uh, you know, I think just obviously a great mentor. I was just actually just in a webinar with him yesterday. Um, oh. uh, he was, he was actually, he was also a guest. It was, uh, it was um, um, Dr. Margo Oweo talking about kind of culture responsive education and that sort of thing. Um, but he was in there chatting and, and uh, I, I have, I, I went to one, I went to one thing that he did. Um, and yeah, I, I can only imagine what, what those experiences have been like for you to have, to have that direct mentorship. That's huge. Super awesome. Just a, you brought up a few sort of, I think, jargony things. Um related to domestic violence that maybe we could just touch on briefly um okay. you, you you talked about ipv yes what's that that stands for intimate partner violence and the reason oh, why there's that separation is because domestic violence doesn't necessarily have to be with a romantic partner it could be familial it could be even through the church you know it could just it, it just oh really like intimate group yes yes so the so it's it's not safe to assume that domestic violence is always you know a yeah a romantic partner like it, like could could that is that so family violence even is that part of that too and yes and and yes. Uh, really okay so IPV is very specific to very specific to your of, romantic partner yes and then you mentioned uh, this Duluth model. We talked about this in that pre in our pre chat as well. That there's this Duluth model that doesn't work um, all that well. Um, um, and so, well, first off, maybe you can tell us what a little bit about what that is. Um, but then I wouldn't mind also just knowing sort of what's sort of the traditional path right now for you know, a domestic or an intimate partner violence uh, victim. Um, you know, obviously it's not ABA and an act. I mean, hopefully it'd be great if it became that someday. But, you know, what what's sort of the, the, you know, the standard recommendation for, you know, probably the same one that you may, maybe have got, would have gotten when you, when you uh, were starting to look for help. Um, yeah, so kind of what's sort of the traditional supports and then and how does this Duluth model kind of fit in there? Oh boy, uh, the traditional supports. Ah, can I? If, if any, maybe, maybe there aren't any. Existent? Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have no idea. That's that's another part of what makes the whole experience very punishing because there are different resources out there. I will say that there's a yeah. lot of different resources out there for um, survivors, victims, children that are from um, abusive homes where there is intimate partner violence or domestic violence, and um, you know, there's a lot of support groups and whatnot. You know, there's a lot of advocacy around it as, as well. The issue is, is that everything is like standalone. Nothing is connected. So you might talk to your doctor about the fact that, hey, you know, I, I want to get checked just to make sure everything is okay with me physically. 
um, because my husband just beat me or because my girlfriend mm. just like, you know, just slapped me around a few times and I, I feel hurt, but I don't know, maybe it's just in my head, whatever, maybe I'm okay. And it, yeah, whatever. So that doctor might be able to like give you some pamphlets if they even have any resources like that available for you, or if they have a staff psychologist that they could refer you to um, mm. that can give you very temporary treatment right then and there. But after that, after you leave the hospital, you're kind of like on your own mm. pretty much. Um, or if you call the police department and say, Hey, you know, um, my partner just did X, Y, and Z and I'm in fear of my life. In, in a lot of those situations, they can't technically do anything except suggest to that partner, hey, you might want to go to a friend's house and sleep over for the night. And that's mm. pretty much all that they can do unless uh, maybe they're not even supposed to be there. Their name is, is not on the lease or whatever. And then they can say, like, look, you have to leave. But outside of that, they have no power to do anything else except suggest that you just leave for the night unless someone is like physically hurt. And uh, it's clear that somebody was like scratched or uh, cut or whatever, then they can arrest someone. Mm, but mm, mm. that's not fixing the problem, you know? No. So um, there are just a lot of different things that are in place, but nothing that actually consistently throughout the whole lifespan of a, a, a survivor receiving services from the time that they decide to leave to the time that they are like safe, like 100% completely safe. There's nothing that streamlines that process or someone or an agency that says, okay, this is what you need to do step-by-step. Step. There's nothing like that out there, at least mm. down here in South Florida, there's nothing like that out there. So when it comes to resources, they're there, but um, they're they they're not effective if uh, the the people that are seeking those resources don't know anything about them that they exist or how to yeah. actually get access to those resources, and that's yeah. a big issue, a really big issue. And then with this Duluth model, I, I guess to to sum it up, I guess it's a very archaic way of looking at abuse within that um, intimate partner dynamic. And mm. um, a lot of the batterers interventions and intervention programs down here in South Florida follow that model, and they they create their treatment around that model. So if you're basing your treatment on something that's very archaic, then the treatment that is being provided is archaic as well. So mm. what does that say to the effectiveness of those treatments that mm. you're providing? Probably yeah. not that effective. And that's why the recidivism rate is really high um, when uh, perpetrators do go through the batter's intervention program. It's because it's, it's not not very effective. It needs to be individualized, I think, like ABA is. Like a lot of medical treatments are, it has to be individualized to the person, to the situation, because you have your, your spectrums, right? You have your extremes. You mm -hmm. might have a perpetrator a spectrum but maybe this the per this perpetrator might be on the lower end of the spectrum where they're uh, maybe verbally abusive on only a couple of times out of the year where on the extreme uh, side of the spectrum, you have someone that's like 
physically just going in on their partner and just, you know, abusing the kids, threatening pets and family and uh, threatening the immigration status on a constant basis, almost like an everyday basis. So, you know, things are on a, are on a spectrum. So the treatment should align with where that person is on that spectrum. That That's just my take on it. Are you a BCBA supervisor looking to streamline your practice? Or maybe you're working towards your BCBA and need to find the right supervisor. Whom Health offers tools that make supervision so much more enjoyable for both supervisor and supervisee. For supervisors, they offer easy meeting documentation, competency tracking, monthly verification forms, a built-in supervision curriculum, and so much more. For supervisees, Whom House has a fieldwork tracker with built-in auditing, monthly verification forms, a curriculum, quizzes, and more. If you're looking for a supervisor, they even have a supervision marketplace where you can connect with BCBAs until you find your perfect match, kind of like professional dating. For more information, go to whomhouse.com forward slash speak or search whomhouse on Google. If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is partner. Mm. Oh, a couple things that drew me. Uh, so, I mean, like, what was what was what was what was your experience as far as you know? You 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 got out and kind of got into a system. Did you kind of see one of these battered? intervention people and go through that whole process what like I, you you must have well first off I, I think your your big point here is there's really no system of support for domestic for for IPV and domestic violence um you know uh victims or perpetrators or or you know tr- children or, or whatnot there, there are resources available but you know and this seems to be the case with, I think, a, a lot of, you know, um, mental health kinds of, you know, um, um, interventions is that the, the the individual that needs them the most is usually the least capable of navigating those symptom systems um, and, or navigating the, the resources and trying to figure out where to start and where to go and what to do. I mean, they're already quite, you know, fragile and 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 traumatized and, you know, and and all those sorts of things. And so, you know, you know, it, it makes sense that someone, you know, who's, you know, you know, doesn't have a lot of trauma and, and has a lot of training and has a good head in their shoulders could navigate those things. But why would they? Cause they don't need any of that stuff. <laughs> you know, I don't need mental health support. So why would I go look for them? And so, you know, it, it's, it sounds like it's a sort of a, you know, a, a, you know, come, come see our wall of pamphlets and, and maybe you'll pick the right one, um, um, but good chance you won't because there's 800 pamphlets up here, and uh, and sure. you may need this one first, or this one first, or this one first, or this one first, and and kind of how to do that. Um, yeah. So that seems to be that seems to be the big the big the big issue here, and that seems to be perfect for ABA because ABA is all about systems and and setting up, you know, sustainable interventions that last a long time. Right. Yeah. Um, I also imagine that, you know, again, like, like autism, 
uh, early intervention is probably really valuable. Um, and and I would guess that, you know, because these are, you know, cyclical kinds of, you know, dynamics of, you know, um, uh, you know, you talked about it already about sort of, you know, maybe, you know, um, even even getting out of the relationship is is a tough cycle to break. Um, um, what what would sort of be the ideal? And, and you and, and I think you know having your own lived experience will, will can can really feed to this sort of you know first few things or first ten things. You don't have to list ten things, but first few things that would that 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 should that ideally should ha could happen for these folks. You know the moment they're you know, they've acknowledged they're in this situation and they're ready to tell somebody. Ooh, oh boy. Um, I mean, you may not know the answer. I mean, this may be a, something you have to do research on and figure out down the road, but I, I feel like there's probably some things that would ideally happen right away. And I'm thinking if there's anybody out there listening right now that maybe you are a doctor or maybe you're, maybe you're, your partner's a doctor and, and 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 a family doctor and and gets patients like this you know what suggestions could you make to them about sort of you know someone's come in and said listen i'm I'm a victim of ipv what do i do how can you help me yeah i would just assume that part of i, I don't know where it would fall I, i'm assuming it would fall pretty high mm. but one of those suggestions that might be universally agreed upon would be to create a safety plan first and foremost because yes. if you don't have that safety plan in place yes. the risk of making like one wrong move and like you know notifying the person that you are trying to get away from and that's yes. where things can go awry is when they find out like oh so you're trying to leave that that's that's not going to fly in my book and then you try to leave like on the low, like, so that I didn't know. So you're trying to play me for stupid. So it just, mm. you can already see like how it can start escalating mm. um, if your partner is triggered uh, or I'm sorry, is notified that, hey, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm trying to find a way to leave without you knowing. So I'm yeah. assuming that, that would be something that would be pretty high up there. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That kind of crisis sort of intervention. And that's, and that again, that, you know, if we're paralleling to, you know, a lot of the work we do in when we're working with, you know, uh, folks with autistic folks and other folks, folks with like intellectual disabilities and severe kind of challenging behavior, like aggression and whatnot, where yes. we're looking, we're looking to, you know, keep the family safe, keep the staff safe, keep whoever safe first, you know, yes. um, because, you know, there's no ABA doesn't do much when someone is in high high you know low no rational thinking you know high yes. intensity aggression you know you're, you're you can't just sort of put a plan in place you got to keep folks safe right. so that makes that makes I a lot of sense agree. yeah 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 and i guess that's that that doesn't happen right now so um you know that, that's not sort of the go-to is to you know because i also think about sort of you know uh you know like maslow and you know those sorts of things and the hierarchy of needs and how safety and security is at that base um, um i have talked on other episodes if, if folks are hearing maslow right now and hearing about how he kind of appropriated that triangle from uh i think it was uh i think it was either the 
the Mohawks or the Ojibwe's. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that, that, that's a side story you can Google. Okay. Uh, but 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 Maslow's triangle wasn't his. In fact, there there was a there was a, I'm digressing here, but there was a, an indigenous um, tribe. I think I almost feel like they were in Canada, but I'm not sure that uh, actually um, had uh, had developed the uh, the uh, uh, the triangle first. Um, and Maslow uh, kind of appropriated it for his own sort of things. And I don't know some, some folks may write, write me letters because I might be butchering that. But anyway, point being, safety and security is still, you know, regardless of who said it, you know, uh, the first thing you kind of got to deal with before you can kind of start working on, you know, long term yes. problems. It's hard to sort of, you know, deal with trauma if the trauma is still happening um, and if there's still potential for trauma. Um and I will say that um, in my journey and um, seeking out help from professionals, going to the hospital, yeah. talking to my um, doctor about it, going to the um, calling the police uh, and all you know, different professionals that are supposed to be in place to help. Mm -hmm. Not one of them offered to create a safety plan. Mm. Wow. Not one. I even spoke to a victim advocate from the police department. I want to say maybe on two different occasions, and that that suggestion was never that suggestion was never brought up. Yeah. So it seems it like speaks volumes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it does. It seems like you know, the, the, this is the kind of thing that where. You know, one one would need a lot of different services, potentially. You know, because and you you, you listed off a few things, but I mean, these are all the things that folks just don't consider. Folks are just like, why don't they just leave? You know, why don't they just go move away? Um, you know, why don't they change their name or or whatever? You know, sort of. You know, they they watch a little too much Law and Order and think that it's just you can you can just <laughs> jump into a witness protection plan and. And, uh, you know, kind of kind of do all that, you know, you know, within, within the span of an hour episode um, and uh, and move on. But they don't realize that there are so many. So many. Other pieces that, you know, make, you know, leaving so hard, it's not just, you, yes. you know, I, I mean, I know you brought up initially the part of, you know, wanting to help and, you know, want, wanting to see the potential, but that's that's not usually the main reason that I don't think that keeps, you know, uh, you know, a victim sort of in those relationships. It's all these other things, like you said, like money, um, yeah. like, um, like the a home, you know, um, you know, um, it's, you know, you, you, you mentioned immigration there. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, can you just touch on, 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 on what you meant by immigration there? I think that's something that's, you know, that, 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 Certainly in, in, in Florida is probably, you know, a, a big thing, whereas maybe yeah. where I'm in, in my neck of the woods, we might not even think about immigration. Why, 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 what's immigration got to do with any of this? So you'll have a lot of people that are coming from different countries, you know, to seek asylum. It's just yes. to be safe because there's a lot of, oh, gosh, there's a lot going on in the world today. Um, yes. But 
obviously in order to live in this country, you need to have uh, some sort of citizenship or a green card or something. And then in order to get access to benefits and be employed legally, you have to have a U.S. citizenship. So, and that for a lot of people is the starting point of a new life, a better life, not for themselves a lot of the time, but for them, for their kids that yep. they're trying to take out of those countries as well. So when you have a person that has all of that on their shoulders, they're going to be willing to take a lot in order to reach their goal. So if they are in a situation or in a relationship with someone who understands what that is for them or what that means for them, they can easily take advantage of that. So if they're with someone um, that has a status and that has a citizenship, they can vouch for that person so that that person can get their citizenship as well. Um, hmm. I think the, 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 they have to wait like two years or something. Um, well, they have to be married for two years in order to um, kind of pass the test, I guess. Right. And then that person will be able to uh, obtain citizenship through the other person who already has citizenship. Mm. So in those two years, a lot of things can happen. And that person knows that they have a lot of power within that relationship because any wrong move from the person that needs that citizenship status, the other person could say, you know what, we're done. No, I'm not going to agree to this. I'm not going to sign off for your mm. citizenship so that you can become a citizen. No, you need to do X, Y, and Z in order for me to stay with you so that you can become a citizen because that's what you want, right? Mm. Yeah, so you need to make sure that you fall in line and, you know, basically, like, play your part. So that can become very, very abusive because there's a lot of mm -hmm. power and control that is, like, at the forefront of that relationship or that situation. So... When I say immigration status, that's what I'm referring to. And, mm. you know, someone's being physically or emotionally abused or financially abused by someone who has that kind of power over them. There's nothing really that they can do un until they just wait everything out and hope that things don't escalate to the point where themselves or their kids, if they have kids, get hurt. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's quite possible that being deported and and back to sort of the, the 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 home country that context is actually potentially even more dangerous than this awful experience that they're currently in like what a crazy i can't i can't imagine that my two choices having those two choices and 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 it's like the definition of being stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, which one do you choose? Which one is the lesser evil? Which one is the least aversive option? The second secret word is safety. And this, you know, and this probably, you know, you know, feeds into some of these stories that we hear about in the news where we never get the details, but about sort of you know, families that end up literally killing each other, including the kids, um, you know, yes. and you're like, what could possibly be going on that would lead, you know, say a mother to do that? Well, they're, you know, in their head, they're, you know, their child is going to be tortured to death. They're going to be tortured to death. And, and 
you know, this might be the only out. This might be the, you know, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Immigration. There's so many. It's like an onion, man. There's just yeah. so many different layers to yeah. um, just abuse and violence. So, the, yeah. Then that actually leads to my kind of the question I want, the bigger question I wanted to ask, it, or more, maybe not a question, but more of a, you know, an approach is it seems like, you know, domestic violence and, 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 and IPV are, are things that really need kind of a, a wraparound approach. You know, like there's there's a lot of services that kind of have to like, like for for a case where you might have a you know a, a mom who's in, who's you know a, you know an immigrant without you know without without any papers or or without you know I don't I don't sorry I don't I don't know the terms for immigration but basically it hasn't reached the point where they they can become a citizen, um, um um you know and and then there's they have a child and then they have um you know um they don't have a job because the 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 perpetrator was the breadwinner or whatever mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff you talked about earlier about using act and whatnot you know that, that's dealing with sort of you know the the uh the, the victim and and sort of their thought process and whatnot but in order for them to kind of even get to a place where they can have the time to come be with you for an hour to have that conversation, you know, I think, I guess this goes kind of back to your safety plan point, you know, there, there needs to be, you know, a conversations like, don't worry, we will talk to people. There's, there's people we can talk to about immigration. I mean, I'm sure there's immigration lawyers and immigration counselors and folks out there that you can talk to. There are people we can talk to about, you know, financial support. There are people, 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 people. Do you find yourself doing that kind of work as well? Kind of that wraparound social sort of social worky kind of stuff? (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's funny that you mentioned that actually. I, um, have a current client who's going through a situation where she's trying to separate herself from her abuser and she has kids as well and she's actually displaced from her home that's in her name and wow. she's been it's been such a struggle for her to one go back home and you know keep up all of the things that usually go on, like bringing the kids to school, going to work, like she has to travel like an hour each way just to bring the kids to school and then, you know, go to work. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard for me as a clinician to, you know, you know, listen to all of the things that she's struggling with Mm -hmm. and not try to do what I can to help her where everyone else is dropping the ball because the other thing that you'll see is yeah people will take on your cases or people will say that they will help you but only to a certain extent um either because they just don't want to either it's a performance deficit or a skill deficit they don't want to or they just don't know how Mm -hmm. to the extent that you need so there have been too many times already where like maybe a lawyer might say, Hey, look, you're doing too much or, Hey, you know, this, your abuser that is really good with words and is really charming. And we know, well, you're, we're supposed to know this. He doesn't seem like such a bad guy. I don't know. Maybe mm. you should calm down or maybe you should do X, Ugh. Y, and Z or you're going to make the case worse. Yeah. And now I see where he's coming from. So it's 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 so like I mentioned before it's just very punishing in different ways but um yeah I, I find myself 
trying to reach out to uh, lawyer friends that I have um, so that they can give me suggestions, um, uh, reach out to law enforcement uh, uh, relationships that I have mm -hmm. so that they can get in contact with some people that they know that can um, provide some sort of resource or assistance. Um, do my own digging to try to give them some reliable resources that they can depend on so they can tap into that. Um, and I know that's outside of my role, but I mean, gosh, you know, like it, it's hard not to, you know. But 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 is it? I mean, I, I know there's this whole sort of scope and piece that behavior analysts talk a lot about, but if it's not in your role, then whose role is it? Oh, that's a great question. That's I mean, a, a, really good a lot of people would say that's the role of a, of a social worker. I mean, and I think in a ways it is. I mean, a social worker does get sort of specific training in things like laws and resources and supports. And, you know, certainly, you know, I think in 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 our neck of the woods in terms of sort of you know, again, going back to sort of autism, which is a lot of what ABA is used for, you know, there's social workers involved there. Social workers are the ones that, you know, in Canada, the the, the funding model is different than the states. We don't have insurance mandates. So it's most autism treatments are government funded. Um, and, um, and but they're they're usually accessed via a social worker. A social worker says, "Okay, you need this service," and then they make referrals and do that sort of thing. So it mm -hmm. seems like it's a social worker's job to do that. Um, however, you know you have to have the social workers, and you have to have social workers that have you know room in their caseloads. I know there's many many social workers in, in our province that. Uh, you know, are just in, inaccessible because, you know, we talk about overloaded BCBAs with having, you know, 30, 40, 50 cases, you know, add another zero or two, and that's the social worker's mm -hmm. caseload, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't blame them necessarily, but they're, 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 the, the, the system isn't set up for, you know, social workers to do all that sort of thing. And so often I think it does fall upon, you know, someone else in the professional circle to sort of take the lead like someone's got to be a case manager someone's got to yep. run the show um and I, I personally i think that's totally in the scope of uh of our work is you know because a lot of aba is about and, and about building systems and about building systems that that last i mean we're not saying you're going to be the lawyer and the immigration counselor right. and the and right. the you know child therapist and the housing person, but someone's got to coordinate it all. And you know we often talk about, you know certainly in like in like PBIS or positive behavior support or whatever, you know having those sort of contextual kind of preventative pieces in place and and you know mm -hmm. anything from you know making sure a kid has breakfast in the morning, you know, right. um, so that he can, you know, pay attention in class. Well, it's not the job of the behavior analyst to provide the food, but it could be the job of the behavior analyst to connect them up with someone to provide the food. Um, right. Right. Um, but I don't know if it should be. I mean, I, th I think that, I think that's where, you know, I think that's where, you know, the work you're doing is just so important is to sort of, 
start showing what you know a system could look like yeah yeah um so talked a lot about kind of you know act the act piece and i think for a lot of folks that'll resonate and make sense trauma and act do do definitely go hand in hand and and do definitely work work well with each other and um um and uh you know i think it's a you know it's a common thing what what other sorts of sort of aba uh kind of principles and strategies and you know what, what what other things are in the aba toolbox that could be helpful you know when working with um you know uh, this this population and this kind of these kinds of things or is it mostly just is it mostly act like when you you talked about sending folks home with homework and collecting data and having goals and those sorts of things what what what, what does some of that look like just um just for for folks like some of the homework assignments yeah and, and yeah yeah exactly gosh oh it, it it really just depends on the the person yeah. because so like our treatment like the homework assignments that i provide they're very like tailored mm-hmm. to the client so i don't have like okay this is the homework that you're going to do on the first session this is the homework for the second and this is the homework for the third etc it's okay what is it that you were discussing in our sessions what is it that you're telling me you you have this 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 desire to improve on or where this this block is okay, like, okay, now let's talk about different ways that we can work on that. Okay, now we've done all the training. We've done some role-playing, like I, sometimes mm-hmm. video modeling. I use video, video modeling sometimes. Sometimes you do role-playing so that we can, I, or BST, I should say, so that I can provide them some feedback in real time of like what, of how their implementation is mm-hmm. and what they can improve on um, so that they're like set up for success when they do go home for the week and um, do the homework assignment. And then I give them the homework assignment, like, okay, now you got in the training now i want you to go ahead and do this thing whatever the thing is yeah so gosh well just like uh, well just like yeah an example of a skill you might be working on with with someone i mean obviously there's lots and lots of them and i know they're individualized and so on and so forth but just to sort of you know put some context in the folks on how they might on on, on, thing, on things they they might find themselves doing and with with with, with uh, you know uh, these these this type of population. Okay, for one person I'm working with currently, functional communication is a big hmm. piece. Nice. So we're pretty much doing like functional communication training. So one of the homework assignments that I provided was I want you to go home and explain to your wife kind of almost almost like an antecedent intervention as well because he's working on his uh reducing his outbursts so so sorry this this is for a perpetrator i think that's important to point out okay keep going yeah yes so he's working on reducing his outbursts when it comes to uh like i guess different things that kind of like frustrate him Okay, so um, uh, his homework assignment that I gave him, gave him was to go home and sit down with his wife and let him let her know, hey, when I say, give me a break or give me a second and I walk away, please just, you know, stay there and just give me that second. And mm. because this is something that is new for me and that I'm working on, please help reinforce me yes respecting 
that and not, okay. you know, bringing it up or making it a big deal or anything like that. So that's one example. of well, That's a cool example. And that's, a, that's probably the perfect, I don't, I don't need a lot of them. I didn't, I didn't even think about sort of like, okay, let's, let's talk, talk about perpetrators for a bit. I didn't even think about that. Um, and, and I think with the perpetrator, it makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a lot of parallels between our work and, and sort of our work in sort of the the developmental disabilities sort of sector because again we're dealing with with folks that you know are engaged in you know challenging behavior and often you know i mean you you could probably describe the challenging behavior of a perpetrator and not mention perpetrator and someone might yeah. think you're talking about a, a client with developmental disabilities you know um that, yeah. that you know it's so our our What what are, are you using basically the same kind of assessments with perpetrators that you might use in sort of other areas? Like what what, what does assessment look like with a perpetrator? Basically, pretty much the same. Mm. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm not using like a VD map or anything like of course, that. Yeah. It's more of like an FBA. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. You know, just, right, just really using an FBA with the um, like the older adults that yeah. like, have families and they're you know I guess what you would consider typical, uh, typically developing developing adults. Um, mm. I would use an FBA. So. And again, you know, obviously not singling anyone out, but if, if you're looking for sort of the function of, you know, well, what I'm curious, sort of what kinds of functions you found as far as why perpetrators are engaging in those behaviors. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. So far, escape yeah. is probably the top. And what are they escaping? Just having to deal with the situation in the moment or? Having to deal with the situation in the moment. Uh, it's just kind of removing whatever that aversive is from their partner. Like maybe mm. their partner is talking too much or nagging or complaining and they don't like it. So mm. they engage in like, you know, different maladaptive behaviors to remove whatever that annoyance is. Mm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, really interesting. And do you do any work with both the perpetrator and the victim together? Like, do you do any kind of couple stuff like that? And does that even Not happen? Not yet. Yeah. Not, there was yeah. there's one request, but they never followed through. But yeah. uh, so far, no, yeah. not yet. I mean, that seems like something that maybe, you know, way down the road, if things are going really well, and and yes. and you know, it would almost be a you'd almost be teaching the perpetrator to sort of, you know, functionally communicate to the partner. Do you want to come to this session with me and work on some of this stuff together? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and later on down the line, like you mentioned, that could be an option, but I firmly believe like, okay, let's start with you first. Let's, yeah. let's find whatever is like uh, triggering these behaviors, identify whatever those triggers are, because first yeah. you need to know what's causing you yeah, yeah. engage in these behaviors that you're trying to change totally. recognize what they are know when they're coming on so that you can imp implement some antecedent interventions so that you can like like kind of like douse the fire with some water and just kind of like cool it before you really get to that point where you just explode and i'm just using militant air no of course yeah that's a very yeah. common word that is used yeah absolutely absolutely So we do do a lot of like ABC work mm. in, in that regard. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are, are the perpetrators you're working with, are they typically still in that relationship or are they are they are they now or or has the partner now left and now they're yeah no actually so far the ones that i've worked with they were still in the relationship it's funny because all of them that i've worked with so far they had like some sort of fam familial structure already established whether they're married or just girlfriend and boyfriend yeah, yeah. with a child they they're under one roof and they are like a family unit already but things are i guess kind of just bubbling under the uh under the lid and sometimes the lid kind of just overflows and that presents an issue obviously and that's something that they recognize that they need to work on and they reach out so that they can work on understanding those behaviors like why they're happening and what they can do to reduce those behaviors from happening and continuing to happen i mean that's pretty i don't know what a word for this is i mean it, it, it's a positive that the perpetrator wants to, wants help is what i'm is what yeah. i'm trying to trying to label there um you know and uh you know and i, I think some folks might sort of presume that you know the perpetrators always are, you know, are always thinking they're doing the right thing and, uh, you know, and, and they'll never be able to be changed and they're just, you know, bad people or whatever. Um, how, how do, like, I can see totally how, you know, a, a, you know, a victim would get to you, um, you know, through a referral or through whatever, or through, you know, finding, but how, how, how do you get how does a perpetrator even how do you even get to the point of of working with perpetrators what where do where do you find perpetrators or how do they find how, how are they even finding you so i have a psychology today profile and i think that's mm. where a lot of the mm. the people that do reach out the referrals come from is psychology today and so far all of the perpetrators that i have worked with have found me through psychology today interesting interesting okay and and how many have you worked with has there, have there been a lot like not only the exact number but have, has it been that many no, or not a lot <laughs> yeah. definitely more children and victims and survivors yeah. than perpetrators yeah yeah and well i guess maybe a better question would be how many have actually reached out do you think in, in 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 the time you've you've been up there like how long you've been up how long you've been on psychology today like a few years or Gosh, yeah i would say for about maybe four or five years and how many do you think maybe have reached out if i had to put a number on it yeah just a guess let me maybe four to six oh uh, so so not not very many yeah yeah um, no, and it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to know, and I don't know if you've looked into any of this at all. And I'm sure you will if you once you start doing more research. Um, you know how often perpetrators are even seeking support, or even know that there could be support. So I think that in itself could be a reason why that there's not a lot of change in those behaviors when it comes to perpetrators of domestic violence because mm -hmm. there aren't very many resources available for perpetrators of domestic violence you have a lot of resources available for the children for the victims and survivors when it comes to like housing um uh, money when mm -hmm. it comes to medicaid they, mm -hmm. they provide you know 
medical services. They provide food, free food every month. They provide, um, gosh, just, just a number of different things for individuals that are trying to leave that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when it comes to the perpetrators, there's not much available. Like they don't have someone saying like, okay, hey, you have this thing going on. You have these behaviors that are interfering with the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. Now let's try to help you. Let's give you some um, psychological services. Let's give you some behavioral services or some sort of counseling or consulting or whatever. Let's provide you or connect yeah. with you with, um, um, you know, lawyers or um people in the legal community that can maybe help you to reframe the consequences of your actions. If these things can provide you with some sort of education, I have not seen any of that. Um, I know that there are a couple of agencies in South Florida that are working on making that into a thing, but of course funding is always a big issue. So there's, there's always that, but having something like that in existence, not that I know of, I, I don't know of anything like that. There is a lack of diversity when it comes to educational material depicting Black children in the field of applied behavior analysis. Human Expressions gives Black and Brown children realistic and detailed images of kids who look like them, modeling everyday skills that may be difficult for them to communicate or express. At Human Expressions, the benefits of representation for Black and Brown kids in educational curricula are clear. Increased self-esteem, reducing stereotypes, and increased validation and support. To learn more, go to www.humanexpressions.org. That's human, H-U-E-M-A-N, expressions.org. No, and I mean, I just, I mean, it just speaks to sort of the, our general approach to everything. Um, you know, we don't, you know, I think there's probably a lot of, there's probably some research in sort of the criminal justice kind of criminology kind of realm on, on, on a lot of this as well. And then that we don't, we don't focus, I mean, we don't do a great job with victims in general anyway, but I mean, we still have a lot of problems there and that's, speaking to the sort of the systems we talked about before, but we don't, we really are, we really don't. We rarely make it seem like we don't care about the perpetrators of any kind of crime. You know, it's more about, you know, punishment and imprisonment and whatnot. Um, But, you know, and, and certainly I think if, if, you know, all intimate partner, you know, abusers actually went to jail you know i don't think that happens very often either um um you know we probably wouldn't care as much about what to do for them um you know yeah. um 
Um, but the fact that they don't get imprisoned and don't, you know, aren't removed sort of from society means you still have this individual with all of these triggers built in that could just, that's just going to hurt somebody else. Right. You know, yeah. that, you know, that what, whether if they finally give up on, on, on the current partner, they're, they're, they're going to get in another relationship and they're going to hurt somebody yes. else. And, yes. and, and that's why I think the stuff you're doing, although is, you know, it, it's so important, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy because you have someone that clearly has an impoverished repertoire and that's why they're relying on those maladaptive behaviors. So you would think, okay, skill acquisition, let's teach them how mm -hmm. to communicate or teach them how to do this thing that they're not doing right now so that they can lean toward that in place of those maladaptive uh, 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 maladaptive behaviors. But you know, instead, it's just like, okay, well, yeah. you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So either you get in jail or you uh, have to complete this batterer's intervention course for what, 24 weeks and we don't want to hear from you again. Right, right, right. Yeah, it would be interesting, you know, it, to 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 look at doing some of the work you're doing, like actually in the prison system, you know? know that's a dream of mine. Oh my gosh. Just imagine all of the perpetrators that have been sent to jail yeah. for domestic violence or intimate partner violence. And when they leave, what happens? Recidivism rate is going to be high because yeah. they don't know what to do. They All they know is what they've been doing in the first place. Yeah. And just, ah, just, incarceration everything around incarceration is its own beast because like when you leave when you have that 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 stain on you and you have that record it's hard to you know get a job or like just live life again yeah. so you you tend to fall into some not so savory patterns of life just to live yeah. so add that on to not being able to functionally communicate when you are upset and angry like it, you're just asking for disaster to happen yeah but that's like a dream of mine i would love to work with perpetrators in the prison system and teach them like functional communication training and see if that can help with reducing the recidivism rate with domestic violence and intimate partner violence but that's like a long-term goal of mine <laughs> yeah I, I think you can make it happen i mean there's definitely a lot of and, and hopefully if there's folks listening there are i know there's behavior analysts out there some that are listening that work in the in the criminal justice system um there's some that are working in prisons um there's some that are working in sort of juvenile you know detention centers um Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, I hope they're listening today and, and will, uh, you know, reach out and say, hey, you know, um, I could, I could totally use this kind of support. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to name names because I, I, I might have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's one, at least a couple that I know in Florida that, 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 that are working in, 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 the, in the criminal justice system. So um, I will, uh, you know, I off off camera i'll i'll, I'll do some okay. googling and uh <laughs> and see and see if if that's who they are but i don't want to call anyone out in case they're in case i'm totally wrong and now they're gonna okay get letters okay. <laughs> i can't wait so, so <laughs> what's uh overall it sounds like you're 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 fairly early you know in this journey uh, you know um um and just a, a lot of different things on the go. What's what sort of uh, are some of the some of the future plans for you and, and this practice? And 
definitely some research. Um, yeah. Trying to, like I mentioned earlier, we're trying to put together a research around uh, survivor, victim, survivor empowerment um, yeah. with creating like a, a task analysis for them to follow when they do decide to leave an abusive situation and um, yeah. find out like, okay, well, where are you having the most issue going to the next step so that we can, you know, incorporate our interventions there and maybe yeah. incorporate some act if it's still something that's really like not just just not doing it for you. Um because again, we have different resources just not connected and that that in itself is very punishing for someone who is looking to leave and sure. resources to help them be able to survive when they leave. Um Another thing that we are working on putting together is um, you did mention like having like a wraparound approach. Uh, we've uh, onboarded an LCSW, a licensed cl clinical social worker, actually, mm, cool. to help um, provide services. Um, let's see. Another thing that I would love to be able to do, and that's something that has been like kind of sort of not really in the works for the last maybe two <laughs> years is a uh, creating a 501c3 so that we have like a, a sister company that is just dedicated to providing um, maybe some resources and some free um, therapy to individuals that are in an abusive situation or have left an abusive situation, whether they're like the perpetrators or victims or children so that they maybe can receive some ABA service because their child is in need or um, maybe them, that they themselves can receive some therapy or some behavioral services. Um, hmm. Sorry, what's a, what's a 501c3? It's an, it's basically a nonprofit. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also maybe putting on an event for uh, the month of October for domestic the domestic violence awareness month oh yes so that we can provide again resources to the community um for those that are in need especially for those that are in those situations that need clothes like for kids the, yeah. they themselves women that are trying to escape um an abusive situation maybe giving them some professional clothes so that they can interview for jobs if they never work lovely before. So yeah, just just a lot of different things that are just brewing in this head. It's just a matter of finding someone that can help me make it into a reality. Absolutely. Well, if anyone if anyone has any interest in any of this stuff, I'm I'm sure Nasha will be happy to hear from them, and we'll have your contact info in the show notes. This is really cool stuff, and 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 uh, and again, I've said this a few times to folks. Um, I don't know if I'm starting to age myself a bit, but but. Once again, I'm, I'll say it again. I, I think I said this to Rocco Catrone too. Um, I'm glad you're young, um, you know, because because I think there I think there's there's a lot of work to be done here, and and I'm just so excited to sort of see kind of what this is going to look, what this what, what this will be like five years from now, ten years from now, and what you'll be doing, and and kind of what what things will be in place because I have no doubt it's going to be amazing stuff. So, re really cool work you're doing, Anasha, and uh, really really grateful that. Uh, you were able to come on and kind of share this with everybody as well as share your own story. Um, thank th thanks a lot for, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And I share in that excitement with you. So five years from now, I'm hoping that I can be on and give you some really, really good updates. <laughs> awesome. Right on.